Welcome to the Gonna Love Me Too podcast, where we discuss dating, relationships, and absolutely everything self-growth. This is the podcast where important topics meet progress and where wisdom and weirdness collide. I am your host, John Polo. I'm a coach, author, speaker, and now a podcast host. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? The title of today's episode is How Jane Got Her Groove Back. So today I am welcoming on air with me my client and friend, Jane Boots. Jane Boots, welcome to the podcast. Hi, John. Good to see you. How are you? Great, thank you. So let's jump right into things. You lost your husband, also named John, a year before I lost Michelle. So it's been just over seven years for you now. And today I really want to focus in on how you rebuilt your life from the ground up and how you pursued love again and where you're at today. So many people find themselves in situations where they have to rebuild their life from the ground up, whether because of a loss, a divorce, loss of a career, et cetera, whatever the case may be. So would it be accurate for me to say that after the passing of your husband, John, that I really mean your life felt shattered in so many ways. There were so many secondary losses in addition to losing your husband. Would it be accurate if I said that, that you had to rebuild from the ground up? Absolutely, John. Um, You know, I look back at it now and I think, boy, those first three years were just, um, wow, they were torture. They were torture. Let's get into a couple of things. So I do want to talk a little bit about how you met John, because it's one of my favorite stories ever. So before we get into the rebuilding and stuff, tell us how you met your deceased husband, John. Okay. I was um, 22. I was living with my sister and her husband at the time in the Chicagoland area. There was a radio DJ named Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer that did something on Friday nights called, um, the dating game. And I got brave one Friday night and called in and luckily, um, against odds, got chosen as the bachelorette. And I was given, they, they took some information, like the fact that I was at the time 6'2", um, and, you know, put that out there for the, the men calling in. And um, I believe John was the second guy that they, they put through. And as soon as he said he was six, six. Um, I went, I want this one. Um, he had a very kind, soft voice and I thought, why not? All right. So you said you were six, two, have you shrunk? I have shrunk. I'm about six feet, one quarter inches. <laughs> okay. Cause everyone who listens to the podcast knows that I'm five ten, and I'm very worried about shrinking one day. Yeah. So you will shrink John. <laughs> so from the time you met John, you guys met via a radio show in Chicago. The radio show was hosting something called the, you know, the dating game from the yes. time you met John to the time he passed. How long did you guys have together? 33 years and three days, 33 years and three days. Okay. And if you don't mind me asking, I know sometimes it can be rude, but I don't think you'll be upset with it. How old are you today? Or how young are you today? I am 62. And he passed of cancer in 2015. Correct. Okay. So I want to go back to the early days after John passes. Do you have 
any hope? Take yourself back to the early days after he passes. Do you have any hope? Absolutely not. Okay. Nothing. Okay. So you didn't even have hope that it, you know, maybe in some way, some form, things will get better. You were just in a state of kind of like hopelessness, as so many of us are. After hopelessness, yes. Yeah, okay. absolutely hopelessness. Okay. Um, where do you go without your person? Okay. Now, take me, to, again, take yourself back to that moment. Do you think that you will have the ability to survive? Again, whether it's a loss of a spouse or a child, whether it's you love your spouse with all your heart and they walk out on you one day, you know, whatever the case may be, when our lives fall apart, setting aside hope, sometimes we don't even think that we can actually survive it. Do you think that you'll be able to survive it in the immediate days after John passes? I believe so because I was just focused on getting to the next step. Okay. Um, whether that was, you know, making arrangements and contacting people, whatever it was, it was always there you know, to use your, your, your uh, um, take on it. It's like I had a list every day of what I needed to accomplish. Okay. And that's what kept me going. Okay. Do you so it sounds like, you know, you don't you you, you feel like you're going to survive, you know, you kind of have to survive, but you don't have any hope. Do you remember and if it's okay, if you don't, but do you remember when the moment happened, or, you know, the gradual build up happened, where you actually said, I want to try to rebuild, I want to try to find happiness again? Do you remember? Was that a two years, a year, three years? It was close to three years, John. It really okay. was. So I want to take them back to how we met before we start talking about how you rebuild and where you're at today. So I don't know how you found me on social media somehow. And we became Facebook friends and you actually signed up for a coaching session at the same time. Yes. You hadn't done one. And it was the two year anniversary of Michelle's passing coming up. And I posted, Hey, I'm going to be at Russell's, which was, you know, is a local barbecue restaurant. And I said, you know, I'm going to be there with this person and that person. And I said, if anybody wants to stop by, it's going to be the two year anniversary of Michelle's passing stop by. And when I posted that, I kind of did it like obviously for family and friends because I didn't want to make anyone feel obligated. So it was just like an open invitation. And you commented and you said, hey, you know, I'm going to stop by. And I was like, okay, well, fuck, stop by then. <laughs> right? Again, we hadn't met. You had signed up for coaching, but you hadn't done it yet. I'm a big believer in like, you know, friendships are like romantic relationships. And that someone has to take that first step. Someone has to ask the other person out, so to speak. What made you decide to come meet a strange person on the two-year anniversary of their wife's death? What? Wow. Um, you know what, John? I think I had turned a corner maybe, and I was just like at the point in my life where it's like, I'm going to start doing things. It felt weird. I felt nervous and awkward about it okay. but yet on some level it's like i wanted to meet you um we had chatted on facebook we hadn't done our session yet but it's like hey i want to get to know this guy this young man who is <laughs> of similar age of my children yeah um i thought let's let's you know let's be friends okay so you know you call we do the first session obviously we're kind of working on grief and all that stuff 
eventually we want to start focusing on like, what does your life look like? And where do you want to go with it? So you're doing multiple things all at the same time. You're working on yourself. So you're doing the inner work. You're working on your grief, right? You're processing yeah. it. You're talking yep. about it. And you're also working on your life while at the same time putting yourself out there to date again. So a lot of people, you know, feel like you have to be at this perfect place before you can start to date again. But you didn't take that approach. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, boy, I wasn't even close to having been at a perfect place. I was, I, I was still dealing with my, my loss, but yet I knew there was something I needed. There was something I was missing. Um, and whether that at the time was a companion or a romantic interest, I knew there was something I needed in my life. I'm, I'm a big believer that like, well, we are human, right? But what I always tell my clients is like, you're human. We are, we are built, we are programmed, we were brought into this world, we are conditioned to need community and family and friendships. And for some of us who desire it, romantic relationships as well, right? That type of companionship. Absolutely. So when you first started dating, did you kind of just want, you know, companionship? Or do you feel like you kind of knew that you would eventually want to find love again? I knew I would want to find love again. All right. And okay. yeah, made a lot of mistakes along the way. But. <laughs> okay. So from my perspective, it didn't happen right away, but working with you as much as we work together, as time passed, you really began to realize that you were very unhappy with your current life. And that's when you began, began to take the steps of making some huge changes in your life, right? Absolutely. Huge. <laughs> Huge. Yeah, huge, huge. <laughs> so we don't need to get into a ton of detail on some of these, but you walked away from a job that at the time you felt like was no longer serving you, was no longer bringing you kind of, you know, purpose or joy, correct? Absolutely, John. I was um, giving my all and not getting anything in return. And okay. it, was, um, it was a hard situation, but um, I needed to walk away from that first. Well, people stay in jobs that make them unhappy. And look, like sometimes I understand it's not that easy to walk away from job, a job. Everyone's circumstances are different. But our, what, what do we, we spend at least 40 hours a week working, not to mention all the, you know, all the other times we're thinking about it or we're driving back and forth to work. It's a huge part of our life. And if you hate your job, if it's draining you, or even if it's just not bringing you any joy or purpose, you're going to have a hard time reaching kind of your maximum level of happiness, right? The other thing you did was that you began to put up boundaries with people. So again, we don't need to get into specifics necessarily, but I mean, you really, we worked on that a lot together. You started to, to create real boundaries with relationships that weren't serving you as much anymore. Yes. Um, I previous had let people kind of talk to me the way they wanted to talk to me and treat me the way they wanted to treat me and then would be sad and devastated by their behavior towards me. Um, some of those people had advice that wasn't necessary or good. And yeah, I did start 
setting up boundaries at first by, <laughs> by cutting all sorts of people out of my life. Well, boundaries look different. And y'all, if you can hear these guys in the in the background, I'm sorry. Like they're so loud. <laughs> oh Literally two minutes before we go to record, they start doing this. So boundaries look different in all types of situations. Sometimes it maybe is cutting someone out of your life. Sometimes it's somebody in your life who, you know, is constantly saying something to you that's insulting and just saying, hey, you know, I don't want to hear that anymore. Sometimes it's keeping somebody in your life, but not communicating with them as much anymore. So there were various people in your life you had to put boundaries up with. And I feel like we kind of looked at each situation and made a game plan. It wasn't just like, okay, this is what you're going to do for everyone. Would you agree with that? Yes, John, I would. And those still hold in place as well, even now. Good, good. So you're working on yourself. You know, you leave a job that's no longer serving you. You're creating boundaries and you're also dating at the same time. And the reason I kind of giggle is because you dealt with some shit showness after your husband died when you started dating again. Did you not? Absolutely. <laughs> with, with, with that story in your book being one of the best ones, I think. Yeah, you're in my third book. You're in the dating yep. book. Um yep. As you were dating and you're kind of, you know, you're either meeting somebody and there's no connection or you're meeting a guy who's just a total douchebag, you know, whatever the case may be, but you're not finding what you want to find. Are you getting discouraged? Do you have hope that, you know, you will eventually stumble upon what you're looking for? Uh, it, it, it. It came and went. I mean, there were some times when I was just like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I will never find anyone and maybe take a short break and then come back to it a little while later or, you know, focus on one instead of just dating. Um, but yeah, it was it was a shit show. Dating is a shit show. <laughs> it is. It is a shit show. But as I t always say, it only takes one, right? It, it only Which takes we'll get one. to in a second. So I remember we were doing a call and it was a couple years ago because I was still living in my old place and you were still living in Illinois. So okay. I'm in Illinois. Jane's in Illinois. She actually for many years, I think even decades, lived just about 20 minutes from where I grew up. Um, obviously, we didn't know each other, though. So I remember we were doing a call once and, you know, you're trying to rebuild a life that you like, that you want to live. Um, but there's obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And again, that's something that a lot of people in society don't realize. They think that, you know, you should just be able to rebuild and it's a linear process and, you know, you're good to go. And I remember being on a call with you once and we were talking about this, Jane's shaking her head. I can see her, but you guys can't. And I coined the phrase I use all the time now on the call with you, which is the struggle of the rebuild, because it's so hard having when you have your life kind of like planned and then it just, you know, something happens and now it's just rubble. Like everything you plan is just rubble rebuilding your life no matter how much you want to is really hard. And, and it is, it's the struggle of the rebuild. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you dealt with that. Every time you would make, you know, three steps forward, it felt like four steps back for a while. Oh, lots of therapy, lots yep. of sessions with John. Yep. Um, 
struggling to figure out what I wanted, um, not only from a relationship, but what I wanted in my life and kind of looking at where was I and why was I there? Um, do you want me to go into my story yet? Or <laughs> you got some more questions? Are we, are we talking about the story of um, Mr. Duffy? Well, I thought maybe we'd touch on the, the move across country. That's, that's the next on my list. <laughs> okay. So all right. You live in Illinois your whole life or almost yes. all your life. Yeah. And then you decide that you are going to relocate out of state. Walk us through how that happened. Was it an instant thing? Was it a gradual thing? It's, it's funny when I look at it, John, because I always loved California. The first time I came here, I was 14 and we took a train from Chicago and that was my first time at Disneyland. Um, I came here as a teenager. I, um, I always loved it. I always loved, I don't know, the vibe, the ocean, Same. palm trees, whatever it is. So I went to, after meeting you, you convinced me to go to Camp Widow. Yeah. And I went to Camp Widow in San Diego in July of 2018. And I literally said the words, this is my happy place now to make it my forever place. Yeah, me too. That's what happened to me too. Yeah. So it took a lot of effort. Um, I had a large place to clean out in Illinois. I had some loose ends to tie up. Um, but it took three years. And in August of 2020, I packed up my car and drove across country. You did. Now, were you scared? I know you were excited, but was fear there as well? There was never any fear. There was never any fear. I looked at it as though, you know, I can do this for a year. I can always go back. Um, what's keeping me in Illinois? My kids. My kids are adults with their own lives. Um, I'd left my job. Um, my family's not in Illinois. So what was keeping me there? Um, why didn't I deserve to be happy in my happy place? Right. And that's something we talked about because like, Absolutely. I thought that, you know, we went through a lot. I mean, we talked yeah. about everything and I really thought that the move was good for you. Um, but we did talk about, look, if you go for a year and you don't like it, you can go back home literally because you own a building in, in Illinois. So you literally could have went back home. <laughs> Who would want to go back there? <laughs> right. Well, I'm with you. So, okay. You moved to California and I actually, you were looking for a place and you were having a hard time. And there's a reason I'm going to mention this. And I yeah. go to trula.com one morning and I look and I find you the place that you would rent. So now when I move to California very soon, yes. you may have to find me my place. That's the deal we've made. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, right. I mean, my landlord owns several properties here. I'll be honest, John. Don't All worry. Right. Good. <laughs> so you're in California, you're dating you're kind of developing your own routine. You're going for walks on the beach. You're trying new restaurants. You're not meeting anyone special, but you're enjoying living there. Correct? Yes. And, and let's just remind everyone that I am one of the lucky ones. Um, my husband had life insurance and a pension, and we had a paid off mortgage on an income producing building. So I am one of the lucky ones. I don't have to work. Um, so I had the time to do what I wanted to do. Right. And I always say like, life is not equal for everyone, for everyone who, you know, 
is in your situation where yes, you lost your husband and it was horrible. And there were so many other things that happened, horrible other secondary losses that you endured. Like you did at least have that, right? You had financial security. There's also, you know, somebody out there who, you know, maybe it's not even a widow. Maybe it's a woman with three kids and, you know, the dad walks out and she works, you know, at Target and she doesn't have that. But in almost every case, regardless of what that person's actual circumstances are, I do think that the the ability to recreate is there. Now, it may not be as easy or, you know, as grand of a recreation, but I do think that everybody has the ability to recreate if they're unhappy with their life. Would you generally agree with that? Yes. Um, everybody has the ability to make a change. Yep. Small, so, big. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, whether it's a small change or a big change, it's just making small changes lead to big changes. Yep. Th- there you go. You there sound you go. like me now. <laughs> <laughs> Learn so from the best. <laughs> we're on a call. I don't remember when it was exactly, probably about a year ago. You'll remind me once I shut up and you start talking again. And we're on a call. And I remember this call very vividly. I was sitting in the same exact spot I'm sitting on at now on my couch. And you're telling me, you know, John, I think I'm going to have to accept the fact that it's just not going to happen. You know, I've rebuilt my life, but, you know, I like where I live, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm not going to meet anybody. Don't give me too much detail. We're going to walk through this gradually here. But do you remember that call? I do. I think I told you I'd been on 47 dates. (laughs) 47 dates in California. In California. A lot of coffee dates that were bust. Yes. So this is my thing because I'm retired and I don't have to work. I would do coffee dates. Coffee dates are awesome. You meet, you have coffee. If it goes well, you can stretch it. If it's bad, you can dump it. I I love that. To me, like, I got to be honest. In most cases, and again, every case is different. Every situation is different. Yeah, sometimes meeting for a romantic dinner makes sense. But for me, especially like with online dating, just meet for coffee at 2 p.m. And if you have a good time, you sit there for two hours, then you can walk around, you know, hit up a Barnes and Noble, wherever you're around, and then you meet for dinner. But if you're not having a good time, you're not stuck in this, this formal dinner or you know spending all this money it's just the much smarter approach especially with online dating where you haven't actually met someone and you don't know if there's going to be a vibe right right nice and quick right (laughs) unless you like each other and then you can like each other you can spend the whole day together yeah so you know on that call where you're telling me john i think i just have to accept the fact that it's not going to happen there were a couple things i said one of the things i said is i reminded you of how far you had come And that you had built a life where you had happiness again. And that if you met somebody, they would be an addition to your happiness and not the sole reason for your happiness. And then the other thing I talked about was, you know, you can say, I'm not going to meet anybody and I have to accept that. I'm not going to meet anybody special and I have to accept that. But we also have to allow at least an equal amount of space at least an equal amount of space for the fact that it could happen. There are 7 billion people in this world. And if we're going to take the approach, it's, you know, I don't think it's ever going to happen. The reality is it could. And I really think it's important that we not deprive ourselves of all hope. 
both of those realities, you could not meet someone special or you could deserve an equal amount, at least an equal amount of space. So what are your thoughts about that, Jane Boots? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I think in my, my 47 dates, I'd come to realize that, that maybe it wasn't going to happen, but that maybe I could meet someone that I could, um, you know, have a life with, someone that, you know, would be willing to do things with me, go see movies, go to concerts, do that kind of thing. And it was, um, it was a point where I was just like, yeah, I'm done with dating, but I still, I didn't want to give up that hope. I personally feel that I had way too much love left to give mm -hmm. and I needed an outlet for that. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't, it was discouraging, but I wasn't ready to give up. Although I think I told you I was giving up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of clients who say they're giving up. We'll get to yeah. that in a second. So, I mean, look, this podcast, you know, is about dating relationships and self-growth. It's not about grief. So, but this is not, what I'm about to say here is not unique to widowed people. For those of us that want love again, whether you're divorced or you've never been married or you're widowed or whatever the case may be. You know, as much as I missed receiving her love, I missed giving love even more. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%, John, so much. Yeah. So, and I also think like hope can be a form of self-care, right? So hope can be a form of self-care. That doesn't mean you have to live in false hope but we also shouldn't deprive ourselves of all hope. So, okay, we have that call. It was like a few days later or maybe a week max. Drum roll, please tell us what happens and how it happens. <laughs> so I was accepting yet another coffee date. Um, I think I had been on, I think it was four dates that week, quite honestly. Um, and, you know, again, six over six feet. Um, that's a that criteria over six it, feet. <laughs> it was, it was, but it's like these men that said they were six feet that are, sorry, John, five ten. Um, <laughs> you me. know, meet, meet for coffee and boom, done. Meet for coffee, boom, done. Um, Duffy was the only date I was looking forward to, and I, I don't know what it was. If it was because we'd talked on the phone, um, if there were, you know, some, I can't remember what his bumble profile said, but there were. There were similarities between us besides the fact that he is widowed. Mm -hmm. um, he's a 60, excuse me, 63 year old man. He is 6'6 and he's been widowed for just over 12 years. Um, his kids are the exact same age and sex as mine. He has a 32 year old daughter and a 28 year old son. Um, as we talked, it was just um, constant Oh, I, that's, you know, I have that too, or that's what I do, or there were so many similarities. Our, our coffee date went for five hours. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It only takes one. Yeah. So you go from despair, John, I'm not going to meet anybody. I'm, I'm giving up basically to stumbling upon Duffy on Bumble, meeting him for coffee, spending five hours there. We don't have to get a lot into this. Um, but all humans have pain in their past, 
and you and Duffy both have pain in your past. You are in an amazing, amazing place right now. And you could tell us a little bit about that if you choose. But like, there were some bumps in the road. Because again, we all have pain in our past. And that pain will usually present itself as fear about the future, you know, self-esteem issues, self-worth issues, whatever it is. So you guys were, I would say, very patient with each other to get to the amazing place that you're at today. Would you say that's true? Yes. I would say I was really patient with him. <laughs> you were patient with him. Was he patient with you or did he not well, have to course. be? of course. Okay. I don't think he really had to be. Um, he hadn't had a lot of good um, relationships since his wife passed. Um, he had only actually had two. And the last one was five years ago. Um, and I think he was very hesitant about getting involved with anyone. Um, I kept pushing. I was, <laughs> I was really pushy. Yeah. I was really pushy. Um, but he came around eventually. And do you want to hear about the wonderfulness of, of Duffy and Jane, Jane and Duffy? <laughs> yes. Tell us a little bit about it. What's your relationship right. like now? Okay. So our relationship now is he lives with me. Okay. Um, he still maintains his house over in Rolando, an area of San Diego, but he lives with me. We're together 24-7. Um, the only time we're not together is when he goes to his AA meetings. Okay. He's been sober for 28 years. Amazing. Um, I know. Amazing. Um, we do everything together. Um, he's introduced me to uh, 100 people, if not more. Um, friends and family. I've met his wife, late wife's family. Um, I've been invited to weddings. In fact, um, we were invited to his late wife's nephew's wedding and the nice. envelope came addressed to my house, addressed to Duffy and Jane, which is pretty special. Nice. Um, we talk about getting married and I do feel that will happen eventually. We're not in a rush. We're not in a rush. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, he's the one. Now, if you get married, I will be invited. Correct. Absolutely. We're talking about a beach <laughs> wedding now, John, we're talking about a wedding on the beach. So perfect. 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 You know, I want to mention something really quick. So a couple episodes, I brought Allie on with me and that was the first time in the six plus years that I've been a widower that I public, publicly talked about my love life at all. So I would talk about it, you know, with friends and with clients, if there was a teaching lesson in there, but publicly that was the first time I talked about it. And a couple of things. First of all, I was pretty nervous on that episode and you could actually hear my voice is higher. It's like I have a high pitched voice in that episode because I was nervous. Also, um, I think she was nervous as well coming on with me, but there's, there's a bigger point I wanna get to here. And I think it ties into the relationship you have with Duffy even during the moments where I was hopeful that I would meet somebody again, the one thing I really didn't have hope of was, you know, Michelle and I shared the same sense of humor in that our relationship was one where we were constantly roasting each other and making fun of ourselves. And not everyone might get that, but it was our relationship and we would laugh together 24 seven. And if she didn't pass away, we would have been together for 50 years. I have no doubt. I never thought I would be able to find that again. 
I never thought I would be able to find somebody who I could be completely authentic with, who I could laugh with as much as I did with Michelle. And with Allie, all of that is there. Do you find that with Duffy again, where sometimes you're like, I really even, yeah, okay, I guess I thought I could find someone again, but I never really thought like I could find something special. Is there something about the situ uh, relationship with Duffy where you're like, that, that's what I thought I could never find again? 100%. This man is um, my soulmate, the love of my life. And I never thought I'd say those words again. I really didn't. He makes me laugh. Um, he keeps me on my toes. Um, we share probably more um, emotionally, um, verbally than I ever did with John, which is kind of sad to say, but yeah. different points of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, older, wiser, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always talk about like, I'm the best version of myself today than I've ever been. Yes. I mean, there's been a lot of <laughs> a lot of things that have happened to both of you. Um, and you could have went any which way. Like when we have horrible things happen in our lives, it doesn't mean we have to grow. So when we do grow, we better give ourselves fucking credit for growing. Right. But again, yes. I think that makes our has the potential to make our relationships later in life um, better because we have grown as people, right? So right. I'm gonna ask three questions here. We're gonna do kind of a little bit of a lightning round to, as we okay. get off the air here. Question one, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Jane knew none of these questions. Jane knew nothing about what we were talking about coming <laughs> uh <-oh. into> this. <laughs> what would you say to someone who is currently unhappy with their life? You know, I think it takes time. I think you have to allow yourself time if you're not happy with your life to sit down and figure out, oh, gee, someone taught me about less. What <laughs> makes you happy? Okay. I mean, honestly, you do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just writing those things out really helps clarify what you need or what actually does make you happy. Yeah. Allie calls me the list guy. You know, one of the things <laughs> I tell clients all the time is, we have to at some point zone in on ourselves. What am I doing when I'm happy versus what I'm I doing when I'm not happy? Right. Who am I around when I feel happy versus who am I around when I don't feel happy? Where am I at when I feel happy? Where am I at when I don't feel happy? Right? We have to zone in on ourselves. We have to make our, ourselves a priority. We have to be a priority in our own life. Second question. What would you say to someone who wants to find love again, but has given up the hope of that ever happening for them? Um, boy, <laughs> keep, keep on trying, keep on going, keep, keep, keep on swimming. Okay. Um, you know, maybe take a break, maybe, maybe get your mindset where it's going to be, okay, this is going to be casual. We're just going to be hiking friends, or we're going to be beach friends or something change your mindset um, about what you're looking for. And maybe that'll help. Good. I like it. Last question. You ready for it? I'm ready. <laughs> uh, this will make me laugh today when I was putting it together with my morning coffee. Okay. <laughs> you can take a second and think about it if you have to, or you can just run with it. 
So you and I worked together for a long time. We yeah. occasionally still do sessions because I always think even if somebody's in a great place, they should have somebody they talk to on occasion. Yes. We work together a lot. We were doing weekly for a long time. So I know exactly what your dating life looked like for a long time before Duffy came into it. What would you say to the dumb motherfuckers who think sending unsolicited dick pics to women is a good idea? Some guy right out right now has his finger on a dick pic and he's about to press send to some woman who did not ask for it. What does Jane Boots say? Take us off the air. What would your mama say? Thank you for listening to the Gonna Love Me Too podcast. For information on my books, coaching, virtual workshops, live events, and more, visit my website, johnpolocoaching.com. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you know somebody that can be helped by this podcast, don't be shy. Let them know it exists.